chapter 12 and 13. So we're going to read um, chapter 12 verses 25 through 33 here in just a few moments, but I think everybody in our church knows that there are those of us that are reading through the Bible in 40 days, and when you're reading through the Bible uh, in very large portions of Scripture, in fact, I think we we're supposed to have read First Kings all in one day. But when you're doing that, you see things and you make connections that you don't normally see. It's like flying over a forest, and you notice things when you fly over versus walking through the forest. And as I was reading through, I don't remember when, when it was, but as I was reading through First Kings chapter 13 actually captured my heart. And the part that captured my heart is in chapter 13, verse 1, with these words, Now behold. 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 1. Everybody knows those two words? Now behold. And what captured me about this is how much of the Bible is important? All the Bible is important, right? But when the Bible says, now look at this, then that deserves an even greater focus on what it's saying. So I actually did some work in this chapter. And then as I was doing some work in this chapter, it kind of reminded me of something that I thought would be good background. So I started working on that. And then as I was working on that, it reminded me of something else that I think would be helpful. So, so I actually backed up. But eventually, Lord, by the Lord's grace, we will be in chapter 13. But I just thought I'd point out there those first two words, now behold. The word behold just means look at this. Stop and look at this. And so, uh, through the weeks ahead, you may just want to read this chapter and try to discern what is the major thing that the Holy Spirit would have us see uh, in this chapter. But as we're looking at this, I want to remind us that the New Testament, which is the covenant in which we're under, that the New Testament speaks on how we are to use the old. And I want you to keep your place here, but I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I just want to bring this back to our remembrance. Because we do have several passages that teach us how we're to look at our Old Testament. And here we have... Paul writing to the church at Corinth concerning their misuse of liberties that we have as New Testament believers. And he's making an argument in chapters 8, 9, and 10 on how to handle or not handle going to eat food in idols' temples. There's a three-chapter argument before Paul gives the answer to that. But what I'm interested in is the way Paul views the Old Testament here. So I'm just going to begin reading 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And that's referring to what event? Exodus. The Exodus. 
Verse 2, And were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and that rock was Christ. And of course, the key word here is the word all. You'll see that in verse 2, all were baptized. Verse 3, all ate. Verse 4, all drank. Then in verse 5, Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now here's the verse that we're looking at. Now these things happened as examples for us. So when we're reading this, and we're looking at those passages, we're looking at them from an example perspective. In what way? Verse 6. These things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. And he's going to give examples of this. Now look down in verse 11. Now these things happened to them as a what? Example. And written... For our instruction. Okay, so when we're looking at, we got a situation of Israel in the wilderness. They craved evil things. They were idolaters. Verse 8, they acted immorally. Verse 9, they tempted the Lord. Verse 10, they grumbled. All these things were written down, and they were written down for an example of warning to us. So as we go back to 1 Kings chapter 13, and we look at that previous chapter, we're going to read verses 25 through 33, and even in chapter 13, what we want to think about is what warning are these passages pointing out to us? So 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. And he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will return to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will return to their Lord, even to Rehoboam king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So the king consulted and made two golden calves, and he said to them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now, this thing became a sin. For the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. And he made houses on high places and made priests from among all the people who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam instituted a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month, like the feast which was in Judah. And he went up to the altar, thus he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves which he had made. And he stationed in Bethel the priest of the high places which he had made. 
Then he went up to the altar which he had made in Bethel on the fifteenth day in the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the sons of Israel and went up to the altar to burn incense. Then you have chapter 13. Now behold, there came a man of God from where? Judah to Bethel. What we have here is the beginning of something that if you read through the book of Kings and you read through it in large portions, you begin to notice two things. First of all, that the kings that are mentioned in these two books are judged in their administration in comparison to two men. So when the Lord looks at these kings, both Israel and Judah, He looks at them and He compares them to two kings which are kind of the heads of the line of both of those sides. One of those kings is David. And the other king is this king, Jeroboam. And so what you what you see, and I'm just going. We're just going to got your Bible ready. We're just going to go very rapidly and point out the ones that I was able to find. I'm not saying this is a definitive number, but I'm saying it's approximate. It's at least these that I've written down. David and Jeroboam are contrasting models of kingly headship in the nation of Israel. They weren't perfect men, were they? But God uses them as a standard when He compares the administrations of the successing kings in this nation. So let's just look at David first. If you go to 1 Kings and go back to chapter 3, we're actually here in the reign of Solomon. And I'm not going to mention every king here, I just want to point out how the Scripture uses this. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 3. Now Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father who? David. Look at verse 14 in the same chapter. The Lord speaks to him and says, If you walk in my ways, keeping my statues and commandments, as your father David walked. So again, you see the comparison. He's comparing Solomon's reign to who? To David, his father. Go to 1 Kings chapter 9. 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 4. We're still talking about Solomon. This is actually the second time the Lord has appeared to him. And he says in verse 4, As for you, if you will walk before me as your father David walked, in the integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I've commanded you, and will keep my statutes and my ordinances. So again, the comparison is to what man? David. Now go over to chapter 11. Look at verse 4. When Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. And his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as whose heart? 
as the heart of David his father had been. Look in verse 6. Solomon did what was evil inside the Lord and did not follow the Lord fully as David his father had done. Look in verse 33 of the same chapter. Because you have forsaken me, and I'll skip over all the names of those gods there, he says, you have not walked in my ways, doing what is right in my sight and observing my statutes and ordinances as his father David did. Look at verse 38. Then it will be if you will listen to all that I command you and walk in my ways, doing what is right in my sight by observing my statutes and my commandments as my servant David did. Then I will be with you. Now go past chapter 13 into chapter 14. Now we're into other kings. Look at verse 8. He's speaking to Jeroboam. And I tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you, yet you have not been like my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart to do only what was right in my sight. So again, Jeroboam here is being measured by whose reign? By King David's reign. Look in chapter 15. Look at verse 3. <clears throat> Have a different king. And the Bible says, He walked in all the sins of his father which he had committed before him, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God like the heart of his father David. Verse 11, this man reigned 41 years. Verse 11, Asa did what was right in the sight of the Lord like David his father. Okay, now let's go over to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 14. And we're just looking at David at this point. Chapter 14 and verse 3. <clears throat> <clears throat> he did right in the sight of the Lord, yet not like David his father. So did he do right? He did do right, but he didn't measure up to who? Mm -hmm. To David. He did right in the sight of the Lord, yet not like David his father. He did according to all that Joash his father had done. Go over to chapter 16. Verse 2, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God as his father David had done. And go over to chapter 18. <clears throat> Verse 3, He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. This is the only one of the kings, Hosea, who did do that. He measured up to King David. And then lastly, for David, 2 Kings chapter 22 and verse 2, so talking about Josiah. He did right inside the Lord and walked in all the way of his father David, nor did he turn aside to the right or to the left. So we have... We have hundreds of years span here. And each time when that king came, he was measured 
at least the kings of Judah, he was measured according to who? To David. Now let's look at Jeroboam. So at least 14 times the Bible talks about the king in relationship to David, but when it comes to Jeroboam, there is actually some 17 times that the Lord mentions a king in comparison, not to David, but to Jeroboam, the one that we just read about here in 1 Kings chapter 12. So if you go back to 1 Kings, go back and go to chapter 15, and look at verse 34. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of Jeroboam and in his sin which he made Israel to sin. So he didn't stop that. He just walked right according to Jeroboam's evil way. In chapter 16, the Lord speaks to Jehu and he says, verse 2, Inasmuch as I exalted you from the dust and made you leader over my people Israel, and you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people Israel sin, provoking me to anger with their sins. Look at verse 19. Because of his sins, which he sinned, doing evil in the sight of the Lord, walking in the way of Jeroboam, and in his sin, which he did, making Israel sin. Look at verse 26. We have Omri here. It says, He walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. Now the reason why they add the son of Nabat is because there's going to be another king in Israel whose name is Jeroboam. So now the scripture adds, no, I'm talking about the one that was the son of Nabat. And as we look at that, verse 26 He walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, and in his sins, which he made Israel sin, provoking the Lord God with their idols. Verse 31, And it came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, that he married Jezebel. This is Ahab. He married Jezebel, and he went to Sir Bel and worshipped him. So, All those administrations are being compared to what man? Jeroboam. Now look, 1 Kings chapter 22. And almost at the end of that chapter, verse 52, He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father, in the way of his mother, and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who caused Israel to sin. Now we move over to 2 Kings. you got chapter 3, verse 3. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which he made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. Now go to chapter 10. We're just moving right along down the kingly line. Chapter 10, verse 29. As far as Jehu, verse 29, however, as for the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabath, which he made Israel sin, from these Jehu did not depart, even the golden calves that were at Bethel and that are at Dan. 
and verse 31. But Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel sin. Chapter 14, verse 24. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins the son of Jeroboam, the son of Nabath, which he made Israel sin. Chapter 15 and verse 9. He did evil in the sight of the Lord as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam. Verse 18. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart all his days from the sin of Jeroboam. Verse 24. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam. Verse 28, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam. And then chapter 17 and verse 22, our last one, the sons of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam which he did. They did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel. Now I'm... I'm tempted to say when, you, when you've read through in your Bible reading, whether it was in 40 days or whether it was in a year, did you notice the, reputi- repu- reputation, the repetition of these phrases? Because when the Holy Spirit repeats something, He's wanting us to what? He's wanting us to note it. That this is something that is significant that you and I should be making a note of. Now, I don't think it's important that like, you could go through and underline all these things, and that'd be great. And that way it just pop out at you there in your Bible. But I do think that it's important that we walk away saying to ourselves, David's reign served as a model for all the kings following him, specifically the kings of Judah, And Jeroboam was the model for the ten tribes of Israel. How would you like to be remembered like Jeroboam? Your great, great, great grandchildren. You don't even know them because now you you pass from the face of this earth and they say concerning... I'm going to make up a name. I'm making it up. Okay, I don't know anybody like this. Okay, John. John walked in the sins of his great, great, great grandfather and did not depart from them. For hundreds of years. Is that really how you want your name to be remembered? I would rather have my name remembered more like who? David than Jeroboam. So let's begin to take a look at this significant event here in 1 Kings chapter 12. And we're just going to kind of introduce it. And I just want to point out a couple of things here that you may want to note in your Bible if you don't already have them down there. I think we could recall that Jeroboam was given ten tribes of Israel. Those tribes had been divided. It was actually a judgment by the Lord because of the sin of Solomon. And of course you know that Rehoboam made a dumb decision. 
And because of that, that dumb decision was used by the Lord. And ten of those tribes were actually given to Jeroboam. And there was a promise given to Jeroboam from the prophet that said, the Lord God has given you these ten tribes, and if you walk in my way, if you listen to me and obey my statutes, I will establish your kingdom. So all of that happened. The ten tribes did gather around Jeroboam. And in verse 25 of 1 Kings 12, Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country at Ephraim and lived there. And he went out from there and built Penuel. Now look at what the Holy Spirit notes. Verse 26. Jeroboam said where? In his heart. So Jeroboam thinks nobody is aware of these thoughts. He says in his heart, now let's think about this situation. I'm afraid that the kingdom, my ten tribes, are going to return to the house of David. Now what did God promise him? That if he would obey him, God would establish his kingdom. Now the kingdom will return to the house of David. Verse 27, if this happens, if this people go up to offer sacrifices to the house of the Lord, where? At Jerusalem. And they'll return to their Lord, even to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and then they will do what to me? They'll kill me and return back to Rehoboam. So Jeroboam is afraid, isn't he? He's afraid for his life. He's afraid for his reign. Now he shouldn't have been afraid because the Lord promised to establish him. So he's not believing the word of the Lord, even though he saw the word of the Lord come to pass by the ten tribes following him. Verse 28, so the king consulted. So he got some men around him, leading men. He consulted with those men, probably some priests there. But he consulted with them and he made two golden calves. So he sets up those calves and he says to them, verse 28, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now some of you are probably aware of this. But folks, he quotes Scripture here. Have you ever, can you recall in the Scripture where this was said, Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. Aaron said that while Moses was up on the mount receiving the Ten Commandments and the judgments of the Lord. And this is very important. This is what I want us to take away from this just tonight. We'll look at it in further detail. 
here's a man that is using the Scripture inappropriately. Now you'll find this on occasion throughout your Old Testament. I'll give you another just terrifying, just terrifying situation. In the book of Judges, there's a man, the last three chapters of the book of Judges you almost don't want to read. Because it was a result of every man doing what was right in his own eyes. And this man had a concubine and he had sent her away. She had gone back to her father's house. And he gets on his beast, his animal. He travels back to get her and bring her back to his house. And he gets her, and you know the situation, it gets dark. And he enters into a town... And there's a man there that offers to take him into his home. And the citizens of that city surround that home and demand. And the man comes out and he doesn't quote, but very strong paraphrases the exact same thing that Lot had said. Lot offered his who? His daughters. This man offered this concubine. Is he using Scripture? He is using Scripture. It had been previously recorded. Now whether he was aware of that or not, we can't say. And he offers his concubine, and you know what happens in that terrifying night. The lady actually dies from the abuse. But he, he paraphrases or comes close to quoting the exact same thing that was previously written in the book of Genesis. Jeroboam is quoting from the book of Exodus. And folks, that is a warning to us. People can use Scripture wrongfully to bring about something that they desire to happen. Jeroboam was fearful, was he not? And so he devises this scheme after consultation. And he says, Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. Of course, he didn't tell them what happened after Moses came down. And the misuse of Scripture for our own personal ends is a danger for us when we have an underlying motive that we want to see happen, it is dangerous that we can go into the Scripture and actually misappropriate it or misunderstand it, whether it's on purpose or not. 
because in Jeroboam's case, he was what? He was fearful that he was going to lose the kingdom and lose his life. But the Lord had told him the exact opposite. And so not only did he do that, but he set two of these things up, one in Bethel, one in Dan. He actually came up, verse 31, with his own priesthood, people that were not of the sons of Aaron. That was in contradiction to the Scripture also, but did it resemble the, 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 the Scripture? It did. And then he instituted a feast, verse 32, on the eighth day of the 15th month, Look at verse 32. Like the feast which was in Judah. So he's setting up a religious system that looks like what? The real thing. It looks like the real thing. But the Bible really brings this to a head in verse 33 when it just points out what he's doing. Then he went up to the altar which he had made in Bethel on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised from where? His own heart. His own heart. And folks, that's the background of what's going on when in chapter 13 the Bible says, now look at this. Look at this. And Lord willing, in the, week, in the Wednesdays ahead, we'll take a look at this and try to point out more things that you and I can profit from in the warning that God is giving to His professing people.